ways in which we can grow in our maturity with Jesus. And this morning we are delving um, deeper into the privilege and the beauty that is prayer. Now, when I saw my name next to prayer, immediately I thought of both my mum and my grandma saying, didn't teach your granny to suck eggs, which is like, that's them in Geordie. Apologies to any Geordies who have I offended with that. I should really never do accents. Um, and uh, I'm fully aware that many of you watching online could probably teach me a few things or two about prayer and about your prayer lives and your prayer walk with God. But almost in the same instance as I heard that kind of phrase in my head, I also heard the Lord say, and so can I. This morning, whether we have been praying for the majority of our lives or whether we have never uttered a single word in prayer, I believe that God still can teach us things about prayer that we maybe never have thought about or just refresh us and bring us back to the heart of prayer. And that is my prayer for us this morning, is that um, we would uh, ask God to do something new in our daily rhythms of prayer with him. And so I'm going to start in the Gospel of Luke this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11 um, with a prayer that given to us by Jesus for his disciples, the Lord's Prayer. So Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Father God, as we open up in prayer, as we look at prayer, God, I pray that you would break through into our lives in a way that only you can. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring from this scripture words and truths that are like refreshment to our soul. And I pray first and foremost that we would encounter you in a new way this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... This prayer is in Luke. There's also um, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew as well, which kind of uh, adds a few more words into the equation as well. So I'll be dipping in and out of them. But I felt like it was, when given the topic of prayer, it was only appropriate to start with the foundational prayer that we were given, the very words that we were given by Jesus himself, the Lord's Prayer. And this isn't just a liturgical kind of tick box. You know, often... We, we pray the Lord's Prayer in not just the church walls, you know, they can be prayed in weddings and um, in schools. And, you know, many people out with the church will have potentially heard of and even prayed the Lord's Prayer themselves. But actually, this is the basic um, kind of foundation of discipleship in prayer. And so that's why I want to start there. And so we're going to break it down into a couple of different sections, into three as uh, standard. Uh, and so our first... Um, our first point this morning is prayer connects us. Prayer connects us. Now, when my husband Chris and I were married almost nine years ago, uh, now we uh, just, I know, I think if that was Mark Forbes, he was at our wedding. You've aged well, Mark, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, so, so have we all. But um, when Chris and I were first married uh, nine years ago, we had already been together for about three and a half years. And um, uh, 
part of our kind of us getting to know each other was just chatting. Like we chatted for hours and hours and hours and hours to the point where um, sometimes we got kicked out of places. And that was one of the reasons why I fell in love with Chris was just because that we could have conversations and we could talk about everything and anything. And so when it came to our first year of marriage, um, it was lovely. It was fun. But oh my goodness, the difference between conversation and communication are there is a there is a difference and uh, we had to learn how to communicate with each other very well <laughs> we'd spent a lot of time getting to know one another being in kind of proximity to one another but when it came to actually communicating about some of those difficult things we tried to stick to the 10 o'clock at night reel where you don't speak about angry things after that but my fire disposition does not allow me to do that and so 3 a.m conversations were regular in our first year of marriage. Now, I have learned to keep that under control <laughs> over the last nine years, and we have had to process that. We've had to learn how to communicate with one another, how not just to be with one another, but how to communicate with one another, and it's a process, and it's something I'm so thankful that people who are 30, 40, 50 years down the line in their marriage can say, and we are still learning the same, and I think that that is so true, not only in our relationships, our earthly relationships, but in our relationship with our Father. Prayer connects us. It's not just about learning how to communicate, but how to be with one another. And I think that that's what Jesus is highlighting when he gives us our first word, Father. Father, comma, pause. And just as we wait on that word, Father, what it brings to mind, what it brings into reality is the intimacy into which we are entering into prayer with. The first word that we use, Father. And in the Greek and Hebrew, um, actually Peter and Abba, it, it literally means intimacy, but with reverence. There is this beautiful call that we're being brought into um, as we pray, reminding us who we are connecting with. It reiterates relationship and it highlights the boldness that we have been afforded by the work of Jesus on the cross to be able to enter into the throne room of God and to speak to him and to commune with him and to connect with him afresh. And our purpose in prayer, I don't know about you, but I know some of my earliest memories of learning how to pray was hands together, close your eyes and say thank you for the day and maybe that you could get ice cream for dinner the next day. <laughs> it was that kind of prayer and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think as I've grown up and as I've grown and as, as I've been taught by other people and as I've learned in my relationship with Jesus, that prayer is primarily our purpose in prayer is to seek after the Father, not just to seek from the Father. Uh, when we pray, our purpose is to communicate and to commune and to connect with God the Father. And we see this highlighted with Jesus as Jesus spends time with the Father in the spoken and in the hidden moments, he also continues to commune with the Father as he emerges into regular life and conversation with the disciples as he continues into ministry. There's this flow of connection that we see with Jesus and his Father. It doesn't just stop in the spoken kind of hidden moments, but it, it flows into every aspect of his life. And I think when Paul talks about um, you know, praying without ceasing, often you think, oh gosh, am I meant to literally just pray words all the time and, you know, and never stop? But actually there's this, I think it's drawing us to the heart of connection with God, our Father. 
that we are communing with him through every aspect of life, whether that's doing the dishes, whether that's speaking to a colleague at work, whether that's driving the car, earnestly trying to get to the warehouse without breaking the speed limit. <laughs> Whatever area it is, whether it's in the spoken or the being, our primary purpose is to connect with God through prayer. And the I think about this with my own earthly father. You know, when I spend time with my dad, sometimes we talk and sometimes we don't. And those times that we don't are not any less precious than the times that we do. And I think that that's true of our relationship with God the Father. When we pray, sometimes it's verbally and sometimes it's just by saying, God, I want to be with you and I want to connect with you. But also prayer connects us to one another. You know, these... um, uh, the, the scripture in Matthew's gospel, um, it comes off the context of uh, of Jesus saying, you know, don't pray like kind of clanging gongs and cymbals and just, you know, um, praying. I was going to say a phrase, I will remove that phrase from my mouth. Now I've lost it. But just praying kind of frillily and all of that kind of stuff. Don't pray like that. But yes, Jude. Um, but pray... Um, you know, in the private moments, in the hidden moments. But he gives um, this prayer as a foundation for that. But also in the context of Luke's gospel, when the disciples ask for the prayer, they ask for it as a community prayer. Just as John gave the, his disciples a prayer to pray, the disciples are wanting something that they as a community of believers can pray together as well. And I think that that highlights the importance that prayer not only connects us to God the Father, but prayer connects us to the body of believers, the body of Christ as well. Um, you know, we we see that, um, that they're wanting to share something with one another. And I don't know about you, but I think when, if I'm ever in a negative space with somebody, um, I find it a lot harder to stay in that negative space as to when I'm spending time praying for them, when I'm asking to pray blessing, you know, God to bless their lives, to honor their lives, to bring provision and goodness into their lives. And I think that that's why Jesus puts those words in about forgiveness. You know, when we go to God the Father and we ask for forgiveness ourselves in the same instance, the same breath, we are to extend that forgiveness to one another as well. The importance of that is so that we are connected as the body as well. You know, God wants us to be united as the body. And so in prayer, we are focusing and we are connecting with one another. And I love, I have a prayer um, partner that I meet with every week. Uh, most of the time without fail and she is somebody who has had years of praying with God and you can see it because she'll just kind of pray um, and then you're like oh now she's talking to me oh now now she's praying with God and I love it because you just see the way um, that she has developed prayer as to part of her daily rhythm of life and I tell you what every single time I come away from praying with her I just feel so encouraged I feel so blessed I feel so built up and I think that that's true of prayer that prayer can connects us together it connects us it connects our hearts it connects our minds and uh, I believe that that's what God is wanting us for um, wanting for us as we pray with one another so primarily it focuses us and it connects us with God but also it connects us as the body as well so prayer connects us but prayer also focuses us we um, are going through the stages at the moment of uh, working at boundaries with our little boy. So he's almost three. We thought we'd missed the terrible twos. We're kind of going into the thrilling threes. And um, <laughs> and it's good fun, but it's also, um, 
interesting at times, let's put it that way. And um, he's learning what he can and can't do. So there are moments where we have to say to him, no, Ezra, don't chuck that box of eggs on the floor that you're allergic to and puddle in the gooeyness of the yolk. You know, please don't use daddy's power tools as weapons. Um, you know, don't smother yourself and all of our bed linen in pseudocreme. Please don't do that. We have had that. Um, but at the same time, we're, he's also learning really good stuff. Like, you know, don't pick the cat up from her back legs. Actually, just give her a nice cuddle. And, um, you know, hold hands while we cross the road because of the cars. There's lots of good things that he's learning as well. But he's having to focus on what is and isn't helpful for him in his own three-year-old mind. <laughs> and he's learning his boundaries. But it's also becoming part of his regular daily rhythms. Now, more often, when we get to a road, he'll grow to grab our hand rather than try and run out and dodge the cars. And I think that that's so true of us in prayer is that when we focus on the will of God first and foremost, that becomes part of our daily rhythms of life too. That becomes part of our habits. That becomes part of who we are. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think it's a lot harder to stray from God's will when you're spending time connecting to him and communicating with him. It's not impossible, of course. But it becomes harder to do so when we submit ourselves to the will of God, when we come under his submission and we say, your will, not my will, your kingdom, not my kingdom. When we spend time with God, not only in prayer, but also in the word of God, in listening to him, into learning about him, into learning about his character, about who he is, what he has done, what he can do, what he is calling us into with him, it's through that lens that we begin to view our circumstances. We begin to see through the lens of his will, his priorities. And in true fashion, whenever you prepare a talk, often um, <laughs> situations arise where you have to apply what you're preaching. <laughs> and I've found that so many times this weekend where I've just been in a moment where I've said, your will be done, your kingdom come. And I wouldn't say I regularly use the Lord's Prayer, like in, in its kind of liturgical format, but actually it has been hugely helpful in just focusing afresh again and just saying, Father, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to focus my will and my attention on yours and declare who you are. And if you think of the times that Jesus called his disciples into moments with him, if they hadn't listened, they hadn't been attuned to his will, they would have missed out on so many different things. See, when in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the transfiguration moment is, is accounted in other Gospels as well. But what I love in Luke's Gospel is it says um, Jesus was praying and the disciples were sleeping. How often was that the case? And yet Jesus was attuning himself, as he so often did, to the will of the Father. He knew what he needed to do. And he decided in that moment to wake the disciples and call them into that moment with them. Now, as they were sleeping, they could have quite easily just said, oh, 10 more minutes, Lord. Uh, I just would rather get some beauty sleep. But they don't. They wake up and they go with him and they witness this magnificent moment of the transfiguration. And they could have missed out on that if they'd not been focused on the will of God. And I think that that is so true. Often it can feel inconvenient. It can feel um, like I don't really want to do that sometimes. How many opportunities can we uh, partner with God when we attune ourselves, when we align ourselves, when we focus ourselves on the will of God and his perfect plan for our lives? 
And as I said, Jesus models this so beautifully in the scriptures. You know, even as the Son of God, he prays that he would be in line with the will of the Father um, multiple times. That is a, a, a given language for Jesus. And he says this in John 6, verse 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And the thing about this scripture is in the context of Jesus talking about himself as our daily bread. You know, and this links in with the scripture, that, uh, with the prayer that he gives us, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Because prayer not only focuses us on the will of God, but helps us to put rhythms of time with God that, we are, that are needed to mature in our faith with him. It's not give us this day our weekly shop. But the word bread is the word artos, which means um, necessities of life. It's not just give us our physical necessities. It's give us the necessities of life. Give us each day what we need. And what we need is Jesus, the bread of life. Our prayers usher in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ with us through his Holy Spirit. And I think that that's so key that as we develop those um, daily rhythms and patterns with God, we begin to ask him for the necessities of life. We begin to ask him for what we need. And that focuses us on a daily rhythm. And I think about Ezra, you know, um, he is hopefully going to grow up with some consistency, Lord help us, um, consistency in parenting that he will begin to, as he spends time with us daily, he will know that he is loved, that he is cared for, that um, we want the best for him, that we want him to be safe. And in doing so, when it comes to those decision moments, hopefully, <laughs> um, I'm sure parents will be like, mm, hopefully, um, he will then make choices that he knows are good for him. And I think that's the same with us in our relationship with God. When we are spending time daily in relationship with him, communing with him, learning about who he is and his heart for us, when it comes to focusing our attention on his will and his direction, it becomes that bit more easier. <laughs> it's not always easy, but it becomes that bit more clearer to be able to focus in on his will and to be obedient to that. And we begin to trust him and we begin to rely on him more. So prayer connects us and prayer focuses us. And finally, prayer guards us. Now, um, when I was at Central, I was able to kind of suss out the rumors to see how many people had seen the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. And interestingly, not as many people as I thought. There was quite a lot of people, but also not a lot of people who'd watched it. Um, but in truly be fashion, I will explain uh, this, <laughs> the part of uh, the story that I'm using to illustrate. Uh, and so in the first story, uh, the first um, book and first film, The Fellowship of the Ring, we have this moment where Basically, the plot line is a group of guys try and get rid of a ring to save world peace. That's basically it. Um, and so that's like three books and 10 hours of film <laughs> condensed into one sentence. And so this group of people are um, the, the fellowship of the ring, are fleeing the orcs, which are the bad guys if you've never watched the film, and, um, uh, and this particularly fiery Satan-like monster, the Balrog. And uh, he is huge. He's got this fiery whip. And uh, they're running away. And it looks like the Balrog's going to get them. And they get over this kind of bridge, over the kind of this fiery pit underneath them. And Gandalf, who's like the wizard, um, the kind of protector of the group, 
uh, turns round and squares the Balrog straight in the eye and says, you cannot pass, quite quietly, but you cannot pass. And then he directs his authority at the Balrog and he tells him who he is and he clashes swords with him. And, uh, and then the infamous words of, you shall not pass, as he slams his staff and his wizardy stick thing into the... Um, <laughs> You can tell this is very technical language. Uh, into the uh, bridge, the Balrog disappears into the shadows where he belongs. Um, but unfortunately, the whip catches Gandalf and Gandalf goes down with him. He sacrifices himself for the fellowship so that they can go on with their journey and commit, uh, you know, do the task that they need to do 10 hours later and two films later. Um, does that remind you of anyone? <laughs> Stretch. Jesus. Um, <laughs> And it's not too much of a stretch to bring Jesus, unlike the Lion King, into this preach because Tolkien was a Roman Catholic and it, he very uh, overtly said that there are many Christian themes in the Lord of the Rings. But ultimately, Jesus prayed the price for us on the cross. It was in his authority as the Son of God that he defeated death for all time, the ultimate protection and guarding for his followers. When we pray, we are partnering with the very power and authority of Jesus Christ. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's not suggesting that God would actively walk us into or close to temptation, but rather that we, through praying that and aligning ourselves with God in that moment, we are asking for the power and the presence of, of Jesus to lead us away from the things that would maybe catch our foot or lead us into a place that we don't want to be in. And it is in his power that he would lead and guide us away from them. See, prayer is preventative. It guards us. I think often people would hear of the saying, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. And that's true, isn't it? I think if we're all honest, it is true <laughs> to do that. But maturity comes when we seek to submit to the Father and seek his guard over our lives. The, the psalmist says it perfectly when he prays, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit. Discipleship is allowing God to come into every nook and cranny of our lives and bring about his transformation so that we pray like the psalmist. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work in us that guards and protects us from the enemy, but also draws us more into the likeness of Jesus. It's this hand-in-hand -hand moment. And at times on reflection of my own prayer life, I have seen the requests outweigh the permission to transform Therefore, you know, when things go a little bit skew-whiff, I become very reactive in my prayer life rather than proactive. And I think that that's what the Lord's Prayer is helping us to do, is to posture ourselves into a proactive space of seeking God's guidance, his guard, his power, his presence, not as just as a reactive stance as to when things don't go to plan. And yet the beauty of grace is that ultimately God breaks in when things don't work out. The beauty of prayer is that it is a remedy, is that we can come to God and boldly ask him to bring his kingdom into our earthly circumstances. See, seeking God's guarding power in our lives should be proactive. And yet there is this moment that Jesus calls us into of this recognition for the need of forgiveness. And that reflects a humility that is central to healthy discipleship. 
the world is not divided between us and them. But rather than, rather than pointing the finger at others, mature disciples start by looking at their own attitudes and behavior. Therefore, prayer is part of the remedy in our relationship with God. We are inviting him into the broken and hurting places and bringing his healing into places that only he can bring. Prayer is this posture of seeking first what only God can do, but also inviting again what only God can do when we fall short. See, when it comes to prayer, there is so much that can be said. There is so much rich teaching and experience out there. You just have to Google 24-7 prayer, read Pete Gregg's books. There's a whole bunch of resources out there when it comes to prayer. And yet I tell you, when rubber hits the road, the foundations of the Lord's Prayer help us in every season and every situation because it brings about the maturity and the discipleship of the follower of Jesus. That's why Jesus gave it to us. Prayer is not static. Praying without ceasing is possible when we think about it being a communion with God, a connection with God and his heart as the Father. And so my question for us this morning is how are we going to pursue a growth in, um, in the area of prayer in our lives? Let's ask him into our communion and communication with him afresh and allow him to be the God of immeasurably more in our prayer life. Why don't we pray?